if this is going to be a sermon or a civics class. But I ask that you pray as I share some things that are on, on my heart. And as I come before you this morning, I'm preaching this because, I'm preaching this today, because we do have an upcoming election. And I want to ask that each and every one of you take the opportunity to do some research, not only on some of the things that we're going to share this morning, but to diligently search the different platforms of the different parties. And I'm not talking about just the two parties. I'm, ta- I'm talking about all the parties. Because this election is going to have spiritual implications. And we need to understand that. And I come before you this morning seriously, seriously concerned about the future of our nation and about the future of our republic. You need to know that I will never ever tell you from this pulpit who you should vote for. I'll never tell you that. And it's not because I'm concerned that we'll have our tax exemption revoked. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the fact, it has nothing to do with me being afraid of any kind of government repercussions. It's not that, I assure you. See, I just don't want the discussion to get into a personality debate or make it about flawed individuals. Does that make sense? I want it to be about ideas, about principle, principles, about liberty, about freedoms, which it truly, truly is this morning. So this morning, it's not who you should vote for, because I will never, ever do that. But I will stand here and tell you what to vote for from a biblical perspective. For make no mistake, there has never been a more distinct and vast difference in what we're about to choose from. Let me read to you something that Billy Graham, or not Billy, Franklin. Franklin Graham wrote. And I think it really has bearing on today's topic and on today's election. Franklin Graham wrote, Our country has always needed Christians to participate in electing our leaders. Amen? Amen. It makes us better. Being informed on which leaders promote life, family, free speech, free thought, religious freedom, livelihoods, safe and orderly communities, national security, educational choice, decency and morality helps all citizens to flourish. But one thing to never forget is that an administration is not just a president. There are thousands appointed by the president and the executive and judicial branches 
that touch our lives every single day. So as you look through the lens of God's Word and vote, consider the vast reach of all the appointees and whether they reflect your values, your beliefs, and your concerns. Folks, basically that is what I am wanting to get across to you here this morning as we look to to God's Word. And you say, Pastor, are you about to get into the political arena? No, 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 no. But I do believe that politics has slithered into the arena of spiritual matters. I do believe that politics is attempting to neuter issues of morality where rights become wrong and wrong has become right. I've had somebody tell me recently, you can't legislate morality. Folks, that's what government does. I've never fully, understand, I've never fully understood that statement. You can't legislate morality. The purpose of government is to legislate morality. Right? Thou shalt not kill. Is that biblical? Yeah, it's biblical. Is that, a, is that moral? Yes, it is. Do, does our government say you cannot kill? Yeah, it does. You go to prison. What about stealing? Is that a moral topic? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, every law is really based on a moral principle. So when they say you can't legislate morality, then you might as well shut Congress down, which is not really a bad idea. But anyway, that's a whole different topic. You might as well shut Congress down because that's what they do on a day-to-day basis when you stop and think about it. And what we as the church, as the body of Christ, are called to do is influence morality Thereby, we need to influence legislation. There, I said it. I cannot keep quiet when it comes to those type of things. As a matter of fact, I have learned so much, basically what not to do, since I was appointed an alderman in Herman, Missouri. It has been an eye-opening experience. But what I find interesting in every ordinance that we pass, and folks, that ordinance book is that thick. And I think, ugh, well, anyway. But every ordinance, there has to be a statement in it that starts out, whereas the Board of Aldermen feel that it is in the best interest of the citizens to blah, blah, blah. I mean, it all has to do with what is in the best interest that is profitable, that it is good for. And if that's not a moral statement, I don't know what it is. Every ordinance has a, a moral backing for it. So the church, the body of Christ, needs to take an active role in standing on biblical principles regardless of who. Regardless of who is running for president.
this election. And I always hesitate to think, now how far should you push it, Ricky? But this election is spiritual. It's not practical. It's not political. (laughs) It's spiritual. In church, we need to open our eyes, our ears. We need to be alert for all that's going on. And I'm going to tell you right here and right now, my hope is not in Donald J. Trump. My hope is not in Joe Biden. My hope is not in the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, or any other party. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is in the fact that the tomb is empty, that God's will is going to be done. But I have got to tell you, I am so sick and tired of these kumbaya pastors, these squishy pastors that refuse to say anything about standing for truth, protecting the unborn, protecting sanctity of marriage, protecting this constitutional republic that I believe God has blessed. They just, they, they sit in their ivory theological towers and they think they're taking the spiritual high road when basically what they are are cowards and not speaking the truth and taking a stand. That's what aggravate, is aggravating me through all of this, this election process. I'm not here supporting one party or another, although there are startling differences in the party platforms, and I encourage you to do your own research, folks. You owe it to your families to do some research. Familiarize familiarize yourself with that. Not getting into politics. But there are issues at stake in this election, and I think these issues have everything to do with do we remain a nation that believes in God we trust? I believe it's this critical. Do we remain a nation that believes in God we trust? Do we remain a nation that openly, proudly pledges allegiance one nation under God? Is that something that we stand on? Because I can guarantee you there are many, 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 many on the left who would just as soon push God out of the arena of life who have differing views than what we do on who God is. And there are those on the left that would definitely like to make the government your God. Make no bones about that. And I understand this morning that I may anger some of you, I understand that you may leave never coming back. Folks, that's a sacrifice that I am willing to make. I am willing to suffer the consequences should the board of elders determine that this message warrants my termination. I am willing 
to suffer those consequences. But to put it bluntly, I have had absolutely enough of the left's call for socialism or socialist policies. I've had enough of their desire to dramatically transform our republic into a socialistic state and make no bones about it. That is the plan. Remember when we talked about dialectic, uh, uh, our Hegelian dialectic and the synthesis, or the, the thesis and the synthesis, uh, the thesis, antithesis, and the synthesis, I'll get it right in a second, and how that progression, how that pushes, pushes, pushes forward. But the plan and the evidence is to dramatically transform our nation into a dis- socialist state, which spells doom, spells chaos for all but the, the elite, the ruling elite. And I've got news for you. The socialist state has, has spelled doom and chaos in every other nation wherever it's been implemented. So why in the world somebody would want to live under socialism? I have no idea. But I've had it up to here with progressive ideology. I've had it up to here with liberalism and what it stands for. They say, well, it's not socialism that we're pushing. It's democratic socialist. We, we are democratic socialist. Let me remind you of something. If you see an animal that is black with a white stripe and it can really smell bad, what do you call that? A skunk. What if you see an animal that is white with a black stripe that really smells bad? Lee, what, what do you call that? A skunk. So whether it's socialist or it's democratic socialism, folks, it is still a skunk. And it's all about centralized government. It is all about taking away private property rights. It's all about humanism. It's all about, should I dare say, atheistic philosophy? If you follow what it is they believe, we say, well, the Democratic Party, they don't stand, they, they've all said they're not, uh, they're not socialist. Well, I want you to do some research. Um, write this down. The Reset Initiative. Anybody heard of that? Reset. Just, just look up. Just Google. Reset. Find out what, I think that's what it's called. The Great Reset. That's what it's called. The Great Reset. Look it up. Folks, I wasn't around in 1775 feel like it sometime. But I wasn't around in 1775 to stand on the battlefield in Concord and Lexington 
when the shot heard around the world was fired. But I'm here today. I'm here today. And the fight to preserve our republic and our liberty, I believe, is just as real as the battles fought to win our republic and our liberty. Make no mistake, this nation is on a brink. And as the sermon title says, you vote like your country depends on it. Because folks, I'm pretty sure that it does. People say, well, there are things that need to be changed. Yeah, there are. There are things that need to be changed. We all agree with that. There are things that need to be changed. But I'm telling you here, And now, there has never been a greater mechanism for effecting change than the Constitution of the United States and the republic for which it stands, or we stand. This form of government, it is the great mechanism of change. Certainly not socialism. People say, well, I see no evidence that that's the direction we're going Open your eyes. Open your ears. I have family and friends that agree with socialism, and I guarantee you they are off my Christmas list. (laughs) They are still on my prayer list. And I pray for them. There are enormous powers who wished who wished to see America become a socialistic country. And when I say that, that means a controlling, centralized government abolishes private property. The state controls every aspect of your life. Do we, do we want that? Pastor, you are, you are getting all worked up about something that's not going to happen. I pray that is true. But there are forces at work trying to make sure that does transpire. Thankfully, there are forces at work trying to stop that from transpiring. But there are those who, would, who are adamantly opposed to your First Amendment right of free speech unless what you're saying meets with their approval. It's called political correctness. Those that push socialism hate your right to keep and bear arms because they know that right protects you from the tyranny they wish to eventually impose, I believe. I think the reason the left wants to take your guns is because they want to do something they know you'll shoot them over. I read that. That's not original. But I like it. Makes sense, doesn't it? We're on the brink, folks. This election comes down to do we preserve liberty or do we bow to eventual control? And by the way, socialism Socialism, even democratic socialism, is not a champion of liberty. Don't listen to that lie. 
For it demands you literally give up your liberty and accept a a controlling, centralized government that dictates every part of your life. We used to call it Big Brother. There are those that wish us to give up our free market capitalistic system because that's what socialism does. To give up our free market capitalistic system which produces an extraordinary amount of wealth But that is surrendered to an economy that's based on the redistribution of wealth. So what happens with that? You eventually run out of other people's money. That's not original with me either. But When you start taking from the haves and you give to the have-nots, you eventually... Well, what eventually happens is the haves don't have anymore. That's the way it works, unfortunately. The free market capitalistic system, it produces, it generates wealth. Are there some things that need to be changed? Absolutely. But we have the greatest mechanism in the world for change. It is called a constitutional republic. By the way, do we realize that nothing is free? Anybody think anything is free? Except I love you freely. God loves us freely. Now, that's the only thing that's, that's free to us. It did cost him. It cost him. But there's nothing free. If you think they're gonna, you're going to get free tuition, there's no such thing. You think you're going to get free health care, uh, somebody's paying for it. Somewhere it's being paid for. There's absolutely nothing that's free. And when they start talking about free health care and free education, free tuition, you know that they're not being truthful. Why would anyone want to live under a socialistic system of collectivism? Why would any... I don't understand... But maybe it, it rubs me in such a way because I've, I've been to Venezuela. I've been to Venezuela. Went there years ago when it was booming. Man, it was a rich South African country and it was clicking on all cylinders and it was amazing what was going on in Venezuela. Have you seen what's going on in Venezuela recently? What happened? Socialism. Socialism, folks. Pure and simple. I've also been to Romania under a communist socialist regime. Been to Poland when it was under a communist socialist regime. Been to Ethiopia when it was a communist socialist regime. Been to Somalia when it was under a communist socialist regime. Been to Mozambique when it was under a communist socialist regime. You know what I was doing there? Taking food, medicine, clothing, 
relief. Couldn't support itself. It needed a country that was based on a capitalistic, constitutional republic-based government there to help support it and rescue those people. That's why I'm so opposed to socialism. But the economy differences pale in comparison to the religious freedom that we surrender under socialism. Oh, the rest of that was just introduction. Now comes the sermon. (laughs) When I was at all of those other places, I witnessed the persecution of Christians and the freedoms that the religious freedoms to express your faith, to read your Bible, to witness, they were all squashed under that system. With our constitutional republic, we acknowledge that our rights come from our Creator. Therefore, if our rights come from our Creator, our rights are beyond government control. Does that make sense? Government doesn't give me any rights. They come from God. Therefore, government can't take them away. And I am convinced that that very issue is what has made America great. Is the acknowledgement that our rights come from God. And so our rights, when it comes to government, is hands off. We can't touch those rights. And believe me, I am going to exercise those rights, meaning I'm going to gather with my church family and worship, which the First Amendment guarantees me all the days of my life. And any government law that comes around and says, no, you can't do that, I'm going to tell them, number one, the Constitution that is the higher government absolutely tells me I can, and number two, I ought to obey God rather than man. That is the truth of why we're gathered here this morning. With socialism, check out the Great Reset, okay? Write that down. Make sure. Check out the Great Reset. With socialism and the establishment of a socialist, Marxist, totalitarian form of government, rights come from the government. And what the government gives you, they can take away. They can take away. Under our constitutional republic, We acknowledge that our founding fathers and our founding documents were written in such a way that stated that man is responsible to God. Therefore, we don't need a large government to keep us in check. Does that make sense? See, I'm more concerned with having to give an account unto God for my actions and my behavior than I am any government. But under socialism, you're answerable to government. And so government becomes your God. 
not your God, but you know what I mean. Socialism espouses a religious a religion. The least is humanism, secular humanism. The worst is just atheism. Pretty much the same thing. Remember this. Remember this. Socialism, and this is such a profound statement. Socialism, once in power, controls the media, the narrative, and disassembles everything that objects. Can I read that again? Socialism, once in power, controls the media, the narrative, and disassembles everything that objects. Now, I didn't say that. I thought maybe if Wendell was here today, I'd give him credit because he's the one who said that. He's a smart man. Need to get to know Wendell Chapman. Usually sits back there on the back row with Lorena, his wife. He's a smart man. Check this out also, because I'm not going to take the time to go into this. I'm not even sure I... Just check it out. Back in the 1950s, China designed a, a system of pushing a socialist state. And they had this ideological slogan that was called Three Red Banners. You've heard about that? Three Red Banners. Or Three Red Flags. And it was sort of the colors in which they marched under. And it talked about, you know, uh, progressing socialism and, and communal activity. And there, there were three points to it. And it was called Three Red Banners. And everyone recognized that as being the movement of socialism. And any time someone has ever used those three red banners in any sort of slogan or logo, it's caused my antennas and my bells and whistles to go off. What are they advancing? What are they trying to attach to? What are they trying to express? What are they secretly trying to say they're wanting to do? But as you're Googling the Great Reset, Google the three red banners. Google three red flags. See what you come up with. Wikipedia, is that how you pronounce it? Wikipedia, something like that. Um, They'll tell you. They'll tell you what it goes back to. Pastor, why are you so adamant about this this morning? Because I think we have an election coming up that's going to offer us some choices. 
And my grandbabies are too precious for me to sit idly by and do nothing and say nothing. Folks, your grandbabies are too precious to me to sit idly by and say nothing and do nothing. Yes, God is in control. Yes, our hope is in Him. Yes, we pray, Lord, Your will be done. But that does not dictate that we sit on our laurels and sing Kumbaya and do nothing. Just because I want to preach this sermon, just because I want to bring this to your attention, does not, believe, does not mean that I am not trusting God for the future. I absolutely am. I know heaven is my home. I understand regardless of what happens, God is in charge. But that does not excuse me from taking a stand for truth and righteousness and the things that God has called us to stand for. As a matter of fact, turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Chapter 23. God's Word does tell us how to vote, folks. God's Word tells us plainly how to vote. And it was our memory verse today. 2 Samuel, chapter 23. Start with verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His Word was in my tongue. And the God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, He that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Folks, when you go to the voting booth, keep that verse in mind. Keep that verse in mind. Regardless of who you're voting for, you have an obligation to make sure that the people you're voting for are just, and they rule in fear of God, understanding that they too are answerable to God. I had a preacher say something to me this week about us making much to do, and it wasn't just me, it was several others, about this election. He was chiding us for taking a stand and he quoted Psalms, Psalm 118. Go to Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. Of course, I would have quoted 6 too, had I been him. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Well, what a hope that gives us. The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. But verse 8 is the one he used. He says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Anybody disagree with that? Does anybody see that as an excuse for shutting up and sitting down and not taking a stand? I don't see that as an excuse for shutting up, sitting down, and not taking a stand. 
He said, verse 9, Oh, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Amen. Amen. But does anyone see that verse as a verse to shut up and sit down and not say anything? I don't. As a matter of fact, I, I would have pointed out verse 10 to him. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. That's taking action. That's doing something. Don't put confidence here. But the next verse kind of indicates that we have a responsibility to do something. But then he went on to quote Psalm 20. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Yes, we will. That doesn't mean we're to shut up and sit down and do nothing, does it? My, my trust is in God. I don't trust chariots. I ain't got one. I had a bunch of horses. <laughs> Burl has those now, and Janet. Yes, but, but I don't trust in them. I trust in God. But that's no reason for me to shut up and sit down. And not say anything. Folks, let me encourage you as you go to the polls between now, and that's the reason I'm preaching it today, because you got a week to do all this research before you go and do your duty and, and vote. And I encourage you all to vote. And pray about that vote. Seek God's wisdom and do your research about the different platforms. So that when you cast that vote, you know exactly what you're doing. But please compare the party platforms. There are some, and this is the big issue to me, folks. There are some it's several, actually, several, that are all for the killing of babies in the womb. The most innocent of innocent. Oh, there you go again, preacher. There you conservatives go again. Why, you're, you're, just, you're just single issue people. Kind of, sort of. Because I think this single issue is the most important issue of all issues. The issue of abortion and protecting the unborn and their rights is the most important issue in any and every election. And I'll tell you why. Well, abortion's not on the ballot. You show me a party that pushes the abortion industry and the killing of babies and I'll show you a group of people that have no respect of any of your other rights. If they will not expect uh, respect the right of that unborn baby, what makes you think they're going to expect your right? Your right to free speech? Your right to religion? Your right to bear arms? 
You're right to do anything. If they, if they are so calloused toward that precious, innocent, helpless life in the womb, what makes you think that your grandmama and your granddaddy are safe in a nursing home? Oh, you're really stretching, Pastor. Time will tell. What about the sanctity of marriage? Now, I know in all parties, there are those that just, you know, it, they, they're for uh, uh, homosexual marriage, and they're, all, they're in both parties and all, but there's one party that supports at least the sanctity of marriage. And if that party ever changes, I'm out of there. Folks, I am not a party man. I mean, in more ways than one, not a party man. (laughs) But I am not a party man. I am a man that believes in godly principles when it comes to government and the protection of those rights. And so that's what my issue is all about. But there are other issues, defunding the police, supporting the police, gun control, gun rights, illegal immigration, legal immigration, higher taxes, or keeping your money in your pocket, tight over-regulations, or small business freedom, big government, small government, socialism, capitalism, political correctness, or free speech. It goes on and on and on and on. Folks, we have a unique opportunity here in this country to vote our leaders into office, and we don't do it just off the cuff. We don't do it without putting thought and prayer into it. Let me tell you. We get to put our leaders into power. Oh, by the way, I have no rulers. For the record, I have no rulers except for one, and that's God. There is not an individual in public office right now that rules over me. As a matter of fact, they've got it backwards. They work for me and you. They work for us. We do not work for them. So do you want people in office that says, I don't answer to you? Or do you want people in office that understand that you're the boss? You're the boss. You send them there to carry out your will, but you don't bow to them. That's the reason why Romans 13, turn with me to Romans 13 real quick. We're almost done. Romans 13. Actually, start with Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's why I say go vote, just to keep that scripture active. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 13, verse 1. Oh, how many preachers have messed this verse up, or at least in my opinion, and we go round and round and we disagree. But let every soul be subject 
unto the higher powers. In this constitutional republic that we enjoy, you and I are the higher powers. Do you understand that? We are the higher powers. We are the voters. We are the people who tell them what to do. We've gotten it backwards, but we've allowed that to happen. The government ought to fear the electorate, not the other way around. They should be afraid of us when we go to the voting booth. We shouldn't be afraid of them when they go into the legislative chambers. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. We accept that. But as we accept that, we understand we have no king. We have no emperor. We have no one. And that is the genius of what we have here in this nation. It's the genius of what the founding fathers have given to us. I think through the blessings and the leading of Almighty God, the founding of this, this republic. For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves judgment. I guess maybe I'm just different because I don't read that as being them to us. But I read this as being us to them. Beware because the electorate is afoot. And we're going to do what's right before God. We're going to make sure that the men and the women that we vote for are just And that they fear God. So folks, let me encourage you to elect good leaders. Those who show favor toward religious liberty. Not suppress it. Those who show favor toward economic freedom. They understand that it's your money. Not theirs. I need my money more than the government needs my money. The government needs to be limited to how much of my money and your money they can spend or waste. Depends on how you look at it. But elect good leaders who show favor toward the sanctity of life, toward the sanctity of marriage toward those things that are biblical and are right before God. Those things that are moral. God is in control. Amen? And between now and next week, we are going to pray like crazy. We are going... And we've been praying like crazy, and we're going to continue praying like crazy. God, have your will. 
But may you give us the wisdom, the insight, the understanding to make that right decision and vote according to what's best for this country. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for just the joy of living here in this country. Folks, we come before you not frightened, not fearful, but Father, I do come before you concerned. Father, there is so much going on that it is concerning. Father, give us the strength and the wisdom. Father, if any man lack wisdom, he's to ask of you and you give it liberally. So, Father, come asking for wisdom. Father, give it liberally. Father, we, we want to work within your will. We want to do that which is pleasing to you until you call us on high whether it be death or through the catching away of the church. Father, we want to be found faithful. We want to be found standing for those things that matter. Father, yes, we want to care for the homeless and the widows and the children. And Father, we want to have compassionate hearts Father, may it be done in such a fashion that glorifies you. Father, we want to pray, bless this country. Bless this nation. Father, we understand there are a lot of reasons that your blessings don't fall. So, Father, we pray for revival. We pray for an awakening. Father, we come before you recognizing that Satan is the God of this world and the destruction that's going on is because of him. Father, may we be faithfully standing against that evil. Father, we pray for those involved in all of the different parties, political parties. Father, we come before you this morning and we pray for Donald Trump and Mike Pence we pray for Joe Biden. We pray for Kamala Harris. We pray for every state, every senator, every representative, everyone who is running for office. Father, we pray that they will understand that you are the one that's in charge, that you will be their God, that they recognize you as the Redeemer and their heart's desire will be to follow you. Father, we pray that for all of our leaders. And Father, they'll desire to be leaders like 2 Samuel 23 insists that they are. And we pray all these things that are in Christ, His holy, His most precious name. Amen.